This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Bare Naked ABCs, where we talk about every Bare Naked Lady song from 7 to Y. And I am betting that I know how most of you people listen to us. That's right, guys. With your ears. Right? Right, right Jeff? Yes, exactly. That's, not that's where in I was any, going not with that, right? Not in any particular location that you might be referring to right now. No. Exactly. I mean, you listen with, to B&L with your ears, right? Oh, yeah. All the time. Stefan, you listen to B&L with your ears. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I use audio sensors. I listen to B&L with my beers. But I'm usually driving. I'm usually driving while I do this, though. You're usually driving? So we have a, we have a guest. Hey, I'm driving with my beers. <laughs> we have a guest with us tonight. Allie, Allie McBride, where do you usually listen to B&L? I usually listen to BNL in the car. Oh, is that where you guys thought I was going with that? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> uh, no. Because that I... would that would be the song that we're singing tonight. So that would make that would make total sense. We're singing it. We we have to sing now too. No, we're not singing it. We're reviewing it. Did I say singing it? We're not singing it. I'm not singing it. No. Not unless you really want your ears to. <laughs> You're not that bad. Oh, uh, you'd have to raise our salaries. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately we don't have Aaron this week uh which is really sad so um i i'll have to ask him later where this comes from but i mean stefan do you know where this song comes from yeah bare naked ladies <laughs> uh, you have to be a little bit more specific with your questioning all right fine we'll play that game you want to you want to take a stab I at mean, an album do, or... do you know the album stefan? oh the album um yeah oh gosh uh Smart based ass. on listen <laughs> easy now based on listening to wow. the thing it sounds like steven's singing so i'm trying to whittle it down to before he left something no it's not gordon. no i know it's not gordon <laughs> um was he in maroon was steven singing in maroon he, he was around by maroon yeah he was okay not maroon five but he was yeah no? Okay. Uh, well, in that case, that's, I don't know, that's the only one I know that this song might possibly be on. Am I right? Allie, can you correct him? What, what album was this on? This would be from the album Stunt, which came before Maroon. And yes, Stephen Page was oh, there. Oh, cool. See, I didn't know that. Thanks for letting me know. You're quite welcome. So if you've never heard of this song before... Here is a quick snippet. 
for anyone who's never heard this song before, um, before continuing with the rest of this podcast, if you've got children in the car, please make sure that you pause it and come back at another time. But rest assured, we will do every, we will make every attempt to keep it completely clean, like we always do. mouth stunt while she said that i uh i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> by so, the way for the snippet he for the, for the snippet he played the one clean line from this song that's about right that's that's what i had to pick out it was very hard to find <laughs> i think sure. it's just in the car that, that's it that's all i played your, your kids could be listening <laughs> they probably are not listening this week no that's why we're not listening to any of the times I listened in the car this week. That's why I was surprised about the song. It was definitely real. But not It's very real. You were surprised it was real? No, I was surprised that it wasn't overly wholesome, you know, as far as um like PG thirteen or less. But it's kind of a little bit more adult oriented. Oh, I still get to introduce you to some of the songs you've missed out on so far, Stefan. Yeah? Oh, boy. <laughs> given, oh, yeah. given all that, Stefan, can you guess who wrote this song? <laughs> There's only one possible writer. There's only one answer. Uh, I'd say Stephen, probably. That would, that would be good. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, yeah. Come on. <laughs> That's awesome. Yay me. Now, interesting right. piece of trivia. This was one of the first songs that they wrote for Stunt, and he said it came out really easily for him. No pun intended. Oh, cool. It's great when you get a five-second lag. You have to sit there and watch people and wait for them to react. Yeah, yeah this lag is weird tonight. This yeah. Is, yeah. This is unusual. Yeah, I'm well, not sure what's going on. The computer on. I'm using to record doesn't even have a camera, so you all can't see me, but I can see you. You... Oh no! That was the creepiest thing ever, Allie. Thank you for that. Oh, that's great. You get to watch us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in your backyard right now. Do you like scary movies? <laughs> <laughs> so here's another really interesting fact about this song. This song was last played on February 5th, 2009 on Ships and Dips Tour. It has not been played since Steven left the band. Huh. Really? Which is, it's odd. That's kind of weird. Obviously, I guess, which is news to me that they've never played it um, post-Steve. Steven has played it several times during his Live at Home shows. Oh, yes. It must have been like Steve's personal song, almost. It's a very Steve song, though. It's it's a like, I mean, he wrote it solely. It's mostly Steve on vocals. It's, and I mean, lyrically, it's a very Steve song. I, I can see that. Yeah. If this isn't personal to Steve, then he's an excellent story writer. Because I get the well, feeling that he is... Which, I, to be fair, he yeah. is. <laughs> well, that, that's true as well. But I definitely get the feel that this is him uh, definitely talking oh, yeah. about past yeah. experience. Yeah, well, I, think, I think this is a between, true story. There's a difference between being a great storyteller and then separating from a band and the band refuses to play it for 
uh, what, 18 years? Well, no, 12 years? 20 11 years. years. <laughs> Jesus. Can I even do math? Yeah, close enough. And then, uh, and then he does, he sings the song on his own. So there's, there's one thing between being a good songwriter and uh, the habits of people um, and their behavior. That's an excellent point. As a side note, Tracy, do you know, are there any other songs you can think of that they have refused to play post Steve, Stephen? Um, off the top of my head, no. But I know that we've covered ones that have extremely... Oh, whoops. Why am I so loud? All right. Let me try moving again. That's... <laughs> I just well... got a text from my wife. <laughs> this is just not working for me tonight. <laughs> Is the yard available? Let me try one. <laughs> one more. One more try. Can you hop down to PA for a little bit, Tracy? Will that work? <laughs> I might have to. Hold on. The trailer's available. <laughs> what was that, Tracy? <laughs> you did it in your car. Podcasted in my car. You could record it from the car to be <laughs> For Those you can't see, we're doing a bathroom <laughs> session version of this this podcast tonight. <laughs> <laughs> because Tracy can't get internet anywhere else in the house without waking his wife up. <laughs> I I don't know of any other songs that uh, post Stephen, they've absolutely not played at all, or at least tried. There are some songs, uh, we just covered one a few weeks ago, I can't remember off the top of my head what it is now, they're all blurring together. Um, they played it one time. They've tried it yeah. once or twice. Yeah, and then they're like, yeah, let's not do that one anymore. Um, wasn't that uh, I Live With It Every Day? I think yeah, so. I feel like yes. you haven't played I Live With It Every Day very often either. Ah, uh, so why don't we talk about the song? Why don't we talk about the music? Yeah, Stefan, can you give us a breakdown? Here's my breakdown. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> um, no, we don't. As far as <laughs> what do you want me to break down? I'm not very. No, we don't. Fun. We don't have air. Stefan, we need so. the key. <laughs> we need the key that it's in. The beats per minute, and we're gonna need all the chords. Go. Okay, the chord yep, is um, H, and uh, the beats per minute is do do. <laughs> fast. Lust for life. Is that that's a close? That's all right. Okay. That's the first chord. That that sounds like the first chord. Yeah, that sounds like the first chord. What is it? A minor. Guys, I can't carry a note trapped on my back. A minor? A minor. D. A minor. E. Then it goes up to F. Then it goes to D7. Yeah. So I got that far. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, one thing that makes this song a little bit different is it it does a um, there's a pre-chorus. Yeah. So we've got a verse, a pre-chorus, and then the chorus, uh, and then a verse, and then another pre-chorus before we get to the chorus, and then we get to an another. I, uh, then we get an instrumental break. And then we go verse, pre-chorus, chorus again. Well, see, I always say that second one's more of a pre-chorus because it changes. Yeah. It sounds completely different than what's... When we go into We Were Looking For Ourselves, I, I mean, it sounds like that's probably the chorus, but... Yeah, why couldn't it be the chorus and the thing was a post-chorus? 
How about no, that? This, yeah, the structure of this one is a little bit it's it's a little bit unusual, but yeah, um to me it sounds like there's just different it, uh ways in which they have different sounds, three different ways and they kind of repeat that in different spots. That's what it sounds like to me. It's kind of cool. I like it. When I'm recording downstairs, I usually have all this stuff right in front of me, but I had to go and and get my my liner notes. All right. So let me just we look here. We've got me we have a verse. And freezer burned ice cream. That's a verse. That's, that's yeah, our verse. A book and, and record love. We sat in red. Our, that's a, that's, that comes back to our right. second verse. And then what I call the pre-chorus. And that's when we get into the verse. What? You think so? So the part I'm calling the, the, the part I'm calling a pre-chorus is the my tongue inside her ear my tongue inside her that where it keeps repeating the very simple uh rhyme scheme and not simple rhyme scheme but it keeps repeating the rhyme scheme and has also changed the notes that are different okay So then after that, we go to a bridge. From there, a verse, a pre-chorus, a chorus, and a chorus. That sounds about right. There. What do you think, Allie? <laughs> Is he on track? Uh, I'm just trying to follow along. <laughs> trying to write it down. And, yeah, I don't know if I would say there's a distinct it. pattern to this one, though, as far as, like, first chorus. Yeah, that's... There's no right. real chorus. There's, if anything, the, I would say the, well, I mean, the chorus would be the, in the yeah. car towards the end. Um, but that's not really a chorus either because it only comes in at the end of the song. So it's kind of like. Well, that's one of the things that makes the song a little different is the choruses, as I'm calling it, the chorus, um, is different each time that they come right. back to it. And to the point that there's only three words that are the same, which is in the car. The music changes. It's definitely a musical change, and it's supposed to be a chorus, mm -hmm. but n only those right. three words are the same in the two different. Mm -hmm. The distinct chords. musical change happens on so, yeah, "We're Looking for Ourselves." That's where the music distinctly changes. Now, whether that's a chorus or a bridge can be debatable, but um, I, I kind of assumed that was the chorus no, myself. See, but I mean, it's yeah. but I can see where it sounds very bridgey as well. So. And Bridgie, you might have just became the rating system. We'll we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess the the closest thing I think would be the in the car, but every everyone's different. Yeah, yeah, because that's where they say the in the car. That sounds yeah. Yeah, but right. they're all different. But that's the one tying them all together. But that's one of the, one of the things I like about this song is, and we'll get to the lyrics later on. Um, but I, I like the fact that this is much more of a story and, than it is the typical song. Like, there is no chorus because it's it's telling a story mm -hmm. through to through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, before we get to the lyrics, let's talk a little bit more about the music, though. Because we're, we're kind of... <laughs> we talked about the structure, but let's talk a little, little about the music. Here's the only things that I know about the music. 
it sounds like it's possibly in a minor chord, and I'm guessing that you know usually they start off with the chord that they're in uh, for the key. So I'm going to say it's probably in A minor since that's the chord that it starts off with. I think you're definitely right there. Yeah, that starts in A minor. I think it ends in A minor. I, I would say that, yeah. Um, and so Jim is playing double bass on this one. This is one of those songs where Kevin, the new person to the band, is like all over this song because we have him on le lead electric guitar, organ, and melodica. Then we have Ed on electric guitar and acoustic. We have Tyler on drums, and then all of the ladies together are on hand clap. The guitar, which I'm assuming it's it's Kevin as lead guitar, the kind mm -hmm. of surf style, like the 60s mm -hmm. surf style, is probably one of my all-time favorite things about this song. I love that. It sets such a mood for It's this almost Quentin Tarantino-esque. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can see this fitting into a Tarantino film. And the bridge, the uh, the guitar solo after the first um, chorus slash bridge, whatever we want to call it, that guitar solo is just killer. I love it. And it, it's interesting because yeah. once again, we have a surfer feel song on this album. We just got done talking about I'll Be That Girl a few a few weeks ago. That also had a very surfer feel, uh, first surfer feel song um, to it. And then... Susan Rogers was the one that told them to bump it up even more. I'm wondering how much Susan also influenced this song. We have no other versions of this song to compare it to, though. Mm -hmm. It's almost like kind of the, the surf vibe, like the 60s. You know, I call it like the right. 60s. Yeah, I had a very yeah. God only knows type yeah. feel with this song. Yeah, yeah. It's actually, it's when you, now that you say God only knows, again, it's it's kind of that cheerful you know kind of almost wholesome music and then not not wholesome lyrics <laughs> not wholesome at all some like deep okay no the music the act not the lyrics yes. the music <laughs> like you know because well, that's what 60s I mean, is music it's de could... definitely juxtapositioned Ex well that's what exactly that's what i was trying to say is like if you it's has that really like innocent sound <laughs> if you just listen to like the music, it's like kind of, and there's some, uh, um, some songs on pet sounds mm -hmm. that do yeah. that too. Um, now that you mm. mentioned good vibrations where they're really like, they sound really peppy and they are, if you listen to the lyrics, anything, but, um, so yeah, I think the juxtaposition is one thing that also helps. I mean, you could, you could take the subject of this song and in a different songwriter's hands, it would, can be, you know, something decidedly not, PG-13, um, but it's like it's tastefully right. done. I think that's what I'm trying to say. The music mm -hmm. plays yeah, along with going, it. Yeah, going off what Ali said, I mean, I wrote down the same thing, essentially, that this is definitely their uh, surf rockiest anthem. I mean, even more so than I'll Be That Girl. I mean, this is full-on 60s surf rock, Beach Boys, uh, Pet Sounds. Um, and in this case, especially, I think it really works, and I'm not sure why until we get to the lyrics. Maybe I'll, I'll think about that more, but just that classic feel to it. Um, uh, I have to agree. I mean, it feels very innocent when it starts out. Uh, very, uh, very peppy. And I, I, I think the, the musical stylings of this one, I'm glad they amped it up because uh, it definitely, it definitely fits this song really well in a, in an unusual sort of way, but that's, that's very B and L. Well, it's only three lines at the beginning where they're actually kind of, G-rated. <laughs> Immediately goes in a... She lifted up her dress. At that moment, my attention was caught 
I'm like, wait a minute. Like, what is this song about? Like, uh, I'm like, ooh, strawberries. When we get to the lyrics, I will defend this and say it's probably more innocent than it sounds, but (laughs) we'll get to that when we get there. Okay. Hold on. We have a few more things to mention about the music, though. Um, because it's actually a little bit more complicated. I, and this is one of the songs I really wish we had Aaron on because I really get the feeling that this is musically much more complicated than we give it credit for. Um, but in terms of like while I was listening to it and- Yeah. Oh no, I, I think it's really, yeah, I think it's really complicated actually. Very, yeah. You can hear that it's very complicated. It doesn't sound it naturally. But layered. It sounds like a very relaxed song, but it's very layered like you were saying, yep. Stefan. Very layered. Um, and I think the other piece of that is, like, one of the things that's weird is we have Steven singing pretty much all by himself throughout the song. Right, except for some harmonies. And the yeah. only time that we really have, yeah, the only time we have harmonies come in is during the pre-chorus. Even when we come back to the chorus, there's not really harmonies. What they're doing is echoing Steve within the car and just continuing to repeat in the car right. behind him off beat. Which is weird. Like usually, that's where you would have the harmonies coming in and right. really kind of blending it all in. And we don't. We have that during the pre-chorus. Honestly, I, I have to say though, listening to this song, I, I don't know if, if harms anywhere else would really feel right. Um, even when you get to you know the chorus, pre-chorus, bridge, whatever we're calling that, when you get to um, uh, where it hits the um, you know we were looking for ourselves and found each other in the car. Uh, you know, I, I like to sing harms pretty much any time I sing a song. Like, if the song comes on, I try and sing harms to it. You can harm to that part, but I don't think it would work at all. I, I think keeping it pretty much solo vocal vocal the entire way through with just the echoes, I think it was a really good choice on their part. I think it works for that. Uh, it's very minimalist. The part that they do the harms on is the part that gets monotonous, where it's very very much like up, 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 down, up, 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 down yeah, right. with, the, with the pattern of the notes. And it's the same notes over and over again for about two stanzas. But that's when they bring their harms in to really bring it to life. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah, that part is where we get the harms. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. I mean, Steven, Steven's a genius. I, I, I'll, you'll hear me say it a million times, but that is just like... It, they went for a different thing than they normally would and made it a more interesting song because of it. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't normally like music that shifts and goes all over the place like it does with uh, that level of complexity that's layered on top of one another, especially with three distinct styles that are kind of brought together um, for different parts of the song, repeated for different parts of it. Um, but I really like this one. It kind of jives together. The other thing I noticed this week is usually you have with the lead electric guitar or the lead acoustic or, or some of one of the lead instruments, you have them playing the melody behind the voice. So the voice and the melody are often synced up and, and kind of matching off each other. And what we have in this song, though, is I think if you took – they treat Stephen's voice almost like a separate instrument and all the other instruments behind it are supporting it, but we don't have any one musical instrument playing the melody that Steven's singing during this song, which I think makes it even more complex and interesting. Right. I agree. 
Sorry, when I, when I really like a song, I'm like, I'm going to tear this thing apart to find out why I love this thing so much. That's all I got to say. We all that. just want to get to the dirty lyrics, Tracy. Okay, fine. <laughs> Let's just get to the dirty lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was Who wants to start this discussion? Allie wanted to tackle the lyrics. Knock it out of the park. Yeah, I'll start. First off, I think that like what we were talking about with the surfer vibe with that um, whoever said that the uh, the first three lines had a more innocent meaning, the Femme Strawberry is freezer burned. Like, that to me with like that surf vibe, like for whatever reason, I think of when I think of like that 1960s, like Beach Boys, Jan and Dean, I think of like a lot of like high schoolers and, you know, because a lot of the songs are about, you know, especially like earlier Beach Boys are about rah, rah, be true to your school, you know, hanging out with my friends down at the malt shop. Um and so that to me kind of I don't know if that just puts me in a mindset to think of it in like a more innocent way. Um, but like nothing, you know, obviously not something innocent, but it's not something nearly <laughs> as uninnocent <laughs> as <laughs> as it seems. If that's a word I think I right. just made a new word. No, that's a that's a really good point. Like, yeah, the song starts off with these really three simple chords. And then it kicks in with the lyrics. And the lyrics are very, very innocent sounding at first. And then we get to the third line <laughs> or the fourth line. <laughs> and it's almost a shocker at a that point. But but effectively a shocker. Because um, when, it, when it boils down to it, I mean, this is a song of, of youthful, I, I think, a song of youthful experimentation. This is... This is your first. I know I'm gonna shock you, Stefan. Um, this is to me is this is to me that awkward first relationship that you have, or that high school relationship where you're kind of experimenting, but you're not quite there. And I think it works that there is, uh, and I, I, I love I love freezer bird ice cream. I'm not wa- sure why he chose that sort of to fill the line, because um, that's a very specific uh, a reference to make, but. Um, yeah, it's innocent up till then. And then you get to she lifted up her dress, and you're like, I know exactly where this is going, and it doesn't go there. It's it's a tease song, which is what this song is about. It's about a tease in a way. I mean, it's about someone who wants something more, or two people that have talked about more, but they're not quite ready to pull that trigger, so to speak. And I think that um, it's something I really like. This is the third bassiest song ever. Um, the dry humpiest what? song ever i don't know um but <laughs> but it's it's just that feeling and i love it for that because it's hey. two people, it's two people and i mean that in a very innocent way it's two people that are going quite that going to that point experimenting uh, giving into some youthful feelings and everything but they're not quite um getting there they can't quite pull that trigger and um in some sort of way i think the the singer steven in this case I think there's a little bit of a bittersweetness there. Like, you know, should I have held on to this? Should I have, should I have, should we have done this? Would it have been different? Um, and I'm sure we'll get to this too. Obviously, you know, um, years later, she's listening to this song in her car with her husband. And that's me, you know, he's singing about me. And I think a lot of singers and songwriters feel that. I mean, we, 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 we write songs about those early experiences and um, you know, I, I, I have, and um, I'm, not probably never going to be on the radio or on a, a mixtape somewhere, but um, 
you know, I think that's kind of funny that, that you know, he has this idea that the song about these experiences might end up in the car with her husband somewhere. And I really love that aspect of the song. See, I don't think, like, you had mentioned the idea that possibly this is about, like, that he's, that they're, he's wishing that it had gone that next step. I get almost the feel with the song I always have that this is him looking back on the relationship and really looking at it with that sweet naivete and saying, I can't, those, those days when things were simpler, but not simple, when they were complicated by things that weren't that complicated. And he's looking back on it with this really sweet remembrance of not like, I wish things had been different or I wish things had gone and changed, but more like, this is a really sweet memory that I have that I'm sharing with everyone. And I, I, that's the feel I always got with this song. I agree. I don't think it, at least for me, I've never read into any sort of bittersweet or wishing that it had been different or they have done, they had done more. Like I thought it was very much an ode to kind of that self discovery in more ways than one, but like that relationship that you need to have before you can really have a real relationship. And that actually, if I can move on to the next uh, verse, is that okay? Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> okay, because this is my favorite line of book and record love. My absolute favorite line of the song, because I think it's just... Book and record love. I think it's a beautiful line, just the way it, I, it just resonates with me. And it also kind of makes me feel like, you know, there's, you know, always that person, at least like there was for, for me in high school, like that you develop this relationship with because you find out for the first time you share interests with someone, you know, someone likes the same things that you do. Mm -hmm. And so it's like this book and record love. So like imagining, you know, after school, you know, going and looking at, you know, records or in bookshops or like, you know, taping San, you know, three sides of Sandinista on a tape recorder so you can listen to it in the car because you love it that much. So like, it really has that, like that first, that kind of first love and then realizing that some, there's someone out there that does like the same things. And, you know, ultimately in the end, maybe it is a book and record love in the sense of that's all you have in common but it kind of is that oh wait i'm not the only one like and taking that step like into the world uh, it's more like a, a platonic relationship where it's uh, uh i mean at the end it says we're we were waiting for our lives to start their endings it's like two people who had a lot more in common that um kind of dappled with just having fun i i don't see it as platonic just because but i see that Action. their love what whatever their relationship is driven by their love of what they have in common right that, that more like early relationship first love of like i now i now have someone out there that has similar interests to me and i really like them for it but we're still not a good match but like at the same time, very interested, yeah. very lustful, and also at the same time, very connected. 
Right. Well, and I think that's, I, I, and I guess of, that's where I kind of said yeah. the whole bittersweet side, the whole life experiences part of it is because, you know, we've all had that, uh, many of us have had that relationship where we had all the same interest. We loved all the same movies and the same music. I mean, we were taping The Clash's uh, Sandinista and, and, and all that. Um, but that wasn't enough to sustain a relationship. The physical component and having all the same interest wasn't enough. Um, you move on and eventually a lot of you know people get married and they, they, they find their lifelong partner and they're happy and they're perfectly happy. But maybe their lifelong partner doesn't share those interests. And I think there's always kind of that duality of life where we're like, you know, it would be cool, you know, to have that kind of relationship or that kind of aspect where we did like all the same stuff. Um, I think that happens to a lot of relationships where the person that you ultimately end up with and you're happy with, and I'm not speaking for everyone, but might not always be the person that sh shared all those interests. So you do look back and you think about that. I mean, that's a very specific line to say, you know, we taped the first the first three sides of Sandinista. And so I do feel like there's this little like, uh, you know, that was pretty cool. That was really cool that we liked that stuff, but it wasn't enough. So that's that's why I kind of feel there's a little, maybe a little bittersweetness there. You know, there's still that con connectivity that he has mm. with, this, this, with this person. And... You know, I think it's also the fact that it talks about, you know, my tongue inside her ear, my tongue inside her in the basement. <laughs> the, I see that look, Stefan. Um, the basement of her mother's house where we once taped the first three sides of Sandinista for my car. Like, connecting those two things because, and I think one thing that I've definitely noticed even just from, you know, because I've been attending all the live at home shows that Stephen's doing i think they're on 23 or 24 now um he does playlists before the shows and he really talks about like the music that inspires him and has inspired him and um and he's talked about it before like in the past like music itself is really important to him so i almost see this like if we're looking at this as kind of like you know if we're gonna take the tack this is a storytelling song um you know looking at that as you know this sweet love with finding something that you you really love something you're passionate about you know outside of that person but finding you know that it's you know like the first time you pick up a bnl record like that first listening of gordon like having that kind of like this is you know the greatest thing or, or whatever you know connecting those two things i'm also seeing seeing uh memories come back for me in regards to courting different people and and doing different things such as acting and um you know things with school uh and going over to a, a person's house to do something but we had an interest but there's that um electricity of interest and and desire to uh to to play um and uh to try to be intimate with one another and uh, it's very exciting to 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 be in that kind of situation and i can relate to going over to tape something and you know it, it goes further and it's more of like you know a way to get away from mm -hmm. um classmates and uh teachers and um and parents in order to uh to have this one-on-one -on -one time with with this person yeah but another thing about that is you have the compounded by our fear. Mm. And then one thing I noticed is that it's inside the basement of her mother's house, not parents' house. 
which is a really minor detail, but there's kind of this undercurrent of fear of growing up in the song, like the waiting for our live star endings, you know, the fear, you know, of kind of those, you know, new things that scare you. But, you know, then, you know, if you think of mother's house, that typically means it's just her mother's house. So like maybe, you know, knowing on the other side of the adulthood door, you know, waits for you, you know, heartbreak and divorce or, you know, some, you know, those things that have real gravity and significance that still exist in your life as a kid, but not in the same way. Like this is the only time you're going to have that innocence before you have to learn to deal with all of this for the rest of your life. I think that was our mic drop moment nice. of the episode right there. Yeah, that, yeah. That was the, that was the mic drop moment. That was good. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> well, I think no, I didn't even think about that. But you're right. The, the significance of just saying mothers, I mean, uh, just after the whole fears and the uh, the uh, um, experimentation aspect of it. Yeah, you're thinking to yourself, I mean, uh, there's a whole life of possible heartbreak and loss. And um, yeah, her mother potentially dreams herself and dreams. Yeah. And that's um, that is that is really deep. That is awesome. Which brings us to the third verse, too. Where he dreams of sleeping with the mom? Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that. <laughs> Once again, we're back to the mother thing. Like, Freud would be all over this song, by the way. But yeah, like, he, all of a sudden, like, we have him coming back to her mother again, but this time in in a much more sexual way. It's kind of like that. Stacy's uh, mom? Mrs. Robinson. I was just going to say Stacy's this, this, this is the B&L Stacy's mom song. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is better than Stacy's mom personally, but you know, for each their own. That's I, a tricky one. I'm a huge Fountains of Wayne fan, so I mean, I do love. I was just, I was gonna say, if you haven't heard their other stuff besides Stacy Mom, it's really yeah. Good. If Welcome Interstate like, Managers, the album that that's on, is probably one of the most perfect albums ever made. Yes, I love yes. that. And I recently learned that Adam Schlesinger wrote that thing you do. Oh yeah, yeah, from the yeah. movie. Which oh. is, I mean, yes, yeah. why it's amazing. But that was a And he wrote a lot of the stuff for uh, My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And he was working on a musical based on yep. The Nanny. I would hmm. recommend, I know we're a B&L podcast, but if you've never given <laughs> Fountains of Wayne or Adam Schlesinger a chance outside of Stacy's mom, stop what you're doing and go do it. And I would say go listen, yes. listen to Welcome Interstate Managers, the entire album. It is an mm-hmm. absolutely gorgeous, amazing album. So, so I'm going to bring us back in a different anyway. direction with a different band. Can you guys talk about Sandinista? Like for a long time, that one, that one, like I was like, what? Why is he talking about like this Nicaraguan government? And then didn't know what he was really talking about with Sandinista. Yeah, um, yeah I was out of the loop. Um, it's a class <laughs> album, and it's a, it's a, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's a triple album. So there's three sides. Is what he's referring and to, and it's. Six sides. And it's like... Well, six sides, but yeah. But there's three three parts to the album, but yeah. And it's like their, their white album. Yeah. Or like mm-hmm. their... Mm. It's their masterpiece. Well, I'm fun. Masterpiece. and reading for it, this, reading the information for this week, it came out three days after John Lennon's death. Like, what a time. Like, oh, I didn't know that. But like, an amazing coincidence of timing, like, for that to happen, because... Yeah, once again, it was their white album in a lot of ways. Well, it, it was 
a quintessential kind of punk album. And I do picture, you know, the punk, um, you know, late, late seventies, early eighties kids and, and that lifestyle, that rebellious lifestyle and everything. I mean, I know I was, um, a little early for that. I was born in 76, but I, I gravitated towards punk myself. And, um, it makes me think of, um, uh, you know, thinking of concept albums, but like green days, 21st century breakdown, um, talks about that whole punk relationship where it's a little more rebellious. It's a little more, uh, anti, uh, authoritarian. <laughs> and, um, you know, I kind of, I kind of picture that in this too. I mean, you know, the, when you grow up, you get older, you know, sometimes your, your values and your views change about the world and you kind of give up that side of you. But as, as a teenager, you know, and if that's your life, that still, there's a, still a part of your soul there. There's still a part of you that remembers that, um, that, that rebellious phase and that, that, that relationship and that love that you had at that time. And I, I think that's, um, why the Sandinista is in there and it's you know a really important reference because you know for anyone growing up in that time the clash was that was a rallying cry that was their anthems hmm. so I want to bring up another I intriguing also- thing we have the beginning of the song starts with an ending like literally the beginning of the song we're talking about the end of their relationship because he starts with I I guess I said goodbye, I guess. And then she goes and lifts <laughs> up her dress. So he decides to stick around for like I mean, who one, the rest of the night. Um, it and worked. We made up one more time. <laughs> one, one more time. Um, Speaking of Maroon 5 uh, songs. A, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty common experience that people have of that one last time experience. Um, but it's interesting because they didn't ever have sex. So, once again, it's just the one more take time of making out and doing probably other things at that point. Well, it says mostly mutual masturbation. But mostly, yeah. Most, now, but can most I put out something mutual. really weird? He went to this house knowing that he was going to break up with her. Pretty good idea that he probably was going to break up with her. And she's sitting there feeding him strawberries and freezer burned ice cream and he's just like, yeah, that's 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 cool. Yeah, we'll just. And then he was gonna break up with her anyways until she lifted up her dress. And he's still planning on breaking up with her. Like, weirdest breakup ever. I don't think so. That's real though. I I think this is the that's yeah. the, there's such accurate and real lyrics because I think you know that's that's common. I mean, you're in that mood. You don't quite want to break away. And um, you know. Like I said, my favorite line of this whole song is we were groping for excuses not to be alone anymore. I mean, that, that, that whole thing. We were looking for Wonderful ourselves. Wonderful wordplay right there. We found each other in the car. We were groping mm-hmm. for excuses, which I love that line so much because um, it's, it's a double entendre. And not to be alone anymore. You know, I do think there was that feeling of, you know, when you end a relationship, it's hard on everybody. Even if you think that you're you're the solar one. I'm going to end this. I'm going to move on. Um you know, there's still that doubt that comes with it. I mean, two weeks later, you're you're sitting up at three in the morning and you're holding the phone in your hand, and you're like, I, "What did I do? I this was that was that was dumb. I got a call, you know." And I think that there's that aspect of it. I I, I love that part of it. I mean, um, I know I've been there. You know, on both on the receiving and the uh, uh, on the other end of it. You know, where you're gonna end the relationship, it's gonna be over. You got to move on. Clearly, this isn't working, but those doubts are gonna kick in and. Um, you know, the temptations. I had somebody. We had this physical attraction. We loved all the same stuff. What am I doing? And I, I love that yeah. aspect of this song. It, you know, the thing, the thing here is that I think 
we're assuming that she didn't want to break up. It, the fact he said goodbye, I guess, makes me think that they already broke mm-hmm. up. And, you know, there are people out there that are like, oh, let's see it one last time. And especially if there's not like a huge emotional attachment, you know, maybe dated for like a month or two, high school, you're like, yeah, it's kind of run its course. And then, yeah, you know, she left, you know, so I must confess, you know, one more time before I left for good. And so that to me doesn't seem like it, it seems like that was, um, for lack of a better word, in good faith on both their parts. So they both knew that, um, well, it comes then, back course, to that the, the... that experience of on again, off again, because mm-hmm. even, yeah. even as as he says, like she thought that we were gonna get back together, which the like next line, like I'm like, what that? This is the what the hell line of the the song, like. But I wouldn't want to be like other guys. Right. Wait a minute, how how is that not yeah. like other guys to break it off and have one last well, time? No, coming back, it. I think, is what he means by that. Yeah, other guys well, yeah. keep coming back. Yeah. Yeah, that's, and, you know, honestly, um, you know, I knew people in high school that were, like, on and off and on and off, and it was, like, you never knew what, you know, they just, whatever. And I think this kind of speaks to that kind of, like, youthful phenomenon. Like, pride doesn't really play in a part yet. It's not that I'm too prideful to go back to them or I'm full of shame going back to my ex or like, it's just, that's just what they do because that's what they feel like Um, because they're just, and not that they don't care, but like, you know, it's like this very, it's a less mature love in almost a good way. Like it doesn't have all those like trappings of like pridefulness and like, you know, stubbornness, some, you know, obviously not every case, but that's what I kind of see it as is like, you know, a lot of boyfriends, you know, kind of like an on again, off again, but he's not, he's saying he's not going to do that because he doesn't want to be like the other I think it's a very mature view of their early uh, immature kind of relationship. And I know from my experience being in high school uh, about the, um, you know, just as you're breaking up with somebody, if you've been intimate with that person and, you know, then all of a sudden the motor starts running and it's there (laughs) and, you know, why not, you know, but it's got a different underlying current to it. It's more like, um, it's a way of saying goodbye in a way, uh, rather than, just goodbye, I guess. It's like there's something more there. There's there are feelings that are there, but there's a it's harder to process. So sometimes physicality is a way in which you can convey all that stuff without without saying anything, and it can be con- you know communicated a lot and- better, especially as teenagers. I, I I couldn't say anything. I I wouldn't know what to say. Um, right. And it's kind of like, I guess, like, I've never broken up with someone before. Is this what we're supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Like, I yeah. guess this is how it works. So yeah. there's that, too. All right. Well, Goodbye, I guess. <laughs> Goodbye, <laughs> I guess. You have to say Okay. Actually, I like, like it's. Goodbye, I guess. <laughs> we yeah. cool? I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, just. I'm, I'm... <laughs> 
gonna I don't go want now. to seem like other guys <laughs> and come back to you. But it does. But I am going to seem like another guy and uh, <laughs> fool around one right. last time. I'm good with cutting things off. Just don't do anything crazy like, I don't know, lifting up your dress or anything like that. That's right. Because yeah. then I might doubt things. I will say <laughs> that both with this, the freezer burn detail and the Sandinista detail, like, I love. And you see that mm-hmm. a lot across his lyrics, but like I love those little descriptive pieces that just kind of draw you back into like this is like a real story or real, you know in in when you're listening to this, this is the story for this narrator. Yeah, yeah. From the yeah, yeah. from the storytelling it's element, a, it shows how much this yeah. moment impacted him because all those little tiny memories yeah. are still there, things that yeah. might otherwise be forgotten. I mean, it was freezer burned ice cream. We were taping. Three sides of Sandinista. I mean, that that, that still sticks in his head to this day. It was memorable. I want to come back to the line that you were talking about earlier, Stefan. We we were waiting for our lives to start their endings, and I gotta say, like that is a very teenage view of like the rest of your life. Like that's like okay. Once I get married, that's that's the start of my ending. Like I'm waiting for that to start. So that that way the end of my life can go. Like that's a very teenage view I'm, of I'm that. I'm thinking graduation. I'm, I'm thinking too. just graduation. Yeah. You know, they're seniors or something. Yeah. No, I can see that too. Like, but that, like, once again, and, it's that, like, that's how we, in that time of our life, at least I know for myself and, and a lot of other people I've talked to, like that was the view of how life was, was like the, mo- the good part of life is behind us once this happens. I think it's also like that the whole, like the world's your oyster, so to speak. You know, you're young, you graduate or whatever. You're, you're done with school. You're out in the world, whatever that path may be. And then you're like, okay, it's time for me to live out my dreams or blah, blah, blah. And it's kind of that common sense reality. That's like, once it starts, it ends, which obviously it's already started. But like, I have like one chance to like get this right. But one thing I wanted to ask you guys what you thought about is that in that, um, I don't know, that would be kind of that first chorus, and though we spoke of penetration, the I'd, I'd have to wait for someone else to try it out, rather than like, we, like it seems like he's referring yep. singular to him. She didn't want to go all the way. It, right, well, right, but it it sounds like it's only him waiting to try she it. Like, maybe that's not a new experience. Yeah. She made it more experience yeah, like, than him. Because, you know, I'd have, because everything, yeah, everything else, you know, we were looking for ourselves. You know, we, there's a lot of we, and then, you know, though we spoke of, you know, I'd have to wait. That's an, actually we an amazing point because, yeah, like, you, yeah, we, we get all these wees, and that's the eye line in the whole song. I don't know about you guys, but I mean, when I was in high school, that's where most of the fooling around happened. When you were with a girlfriend or whatnot, you'd go in a car um, and do stuff. So that this part of the song really gives me visualization of those experiences uh, with um, girlfriends at the time. It's like I, I see it as. You know, you guys are are enjoying one another, um, but for some reason or another, whether you wanted to wait for uh, 
the right person or it didn't, you know, um, or the attraction wasn't there enough to, uh, to have penetration or, or it was just a no or whatever the situation is, you know, it was discussed and nothing was really solidified to the point where, Hey, yeah, let's, let's make this happen. <laughs> so, I mean, I visualize that because I, I, I can most definitely relate to that. That's probably a little bit too much for our <laughs> listeners to hear, but I mean, there's a, yeah, uh, this song really does resonate with me on a personal level. Ali, right. I, I, I love your point. And as, as Stefan was talking, I was listening, but also looking through the lyrics and you are absolutely right. Cause up until this point in the song, there's a lot of we's. He's very focused on the we and that it's a very mutual thing throughout this song. And the line just before it is we had, like you said, the weed spoke of penetration. I'd have to wait for someone else to try it out. Like, yeah, like he's, he's a virgin in the song, but we don't necessarily know that she is. And, and it's almost implying that she's not. And then the very last line, it's almost like he's defending um uh not going all the way with her in in a way i don't know if i quite get that though because the next thing i mean you're absolutely right that it's we all the way up into that point but um the very next sequence is the section where and this is you know to me very interesting that he put pointed this out but he goes once i had the dream where i slept with her mom and that to me kind of implies that he was hoping that he was with someone that was older or more experienced because then maybe he would have gotten that experience. Plus it would also um, sound really weird. It's like once we had this dream well, <laughs> where we slept with your mom, well, yeah, well, that would be kind of weird, Jeff, you know, there's a point where it has to be I. <laughs> well, no, but I think it's, it's, it's a weird line to put unless there's a, big reason for putting that in there you know why would you admit to someone anybody that you had a dream of sleeping with their mom and i feel like that's where you as a teenager are saying and it could just be a youthful crush that kind of thing but um you know if if you had been your mom i probably would have this would have happened it's a full disclosure it's writing a song this is a very like i'm putting everything out there on the table song yeah, and it, well, it's a very open song, and I and I think that's another reason I love it so much. But. I mean, the the thing about the eye, and you know, obviously you're you're saying Stefan, like you wouldn't say once we had this dream, but that's exactly it. The things that are singular to him, Correct. he is saying I once I had this right. dream where I slept with mom, I'd have to wait, you know, and then when it's her with the tape, she says I think that's me. And the thing about the dream, I kind of, I mean, that's kind of a trope, you know, through like <laughs> teenage movies, you know, guy dreams about, you know, girlfriend's mom or, you know, mo- you know, hot mom, a friend, <laughs> and then you know, has this dream. And it's like, oh, God, what do I do? So it's kind of like a teenage trope. So I, I personally don't read too much into that, except it's like, well, I thought I should, I should throw that in there. It's kind of, kind of interesting, but. Yes, but yeah. overreading into songs is what <laughs> yeah. I do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's kind of a thing. Hey, it's okay. You can see um, I did it's, the same well, thing. Speaking of overreading into the songs, let's take that last line. We were never making love. Like a lot of people assume like, well, it's are we talking about the physical act here, which he's been talking about all song, 
Or are we talking about the fact that they were never in love in the emotional sense? That like they had I lust, think this is they were just, I go with the latter. I go with the latter on this. Wow, I'm surprised about you, Jeff. I, for both. I thought you would really no, like I, this line because of uh, I do love this the line. different nuances of it and the truth of any way you look at it. They weren't making love and they weren't in love. And it just is really well worded. So I thought that would really hit your uh, uh, <laughs> word, no, that's wording I, button. That's what I meant by the latter. I, I do. I do feel like it's it's a it's a double meaning. I think they were never making love. They were never making a relationship. It was never going to happen. Yes, it was meant to be. I think literal. We weren't making love in the car, but I think uh, it wraps up the whole song in that this was never going to work out. It was never going to be a solid relationship. We were never making love. They were never making love out of nothing at all. As they were. <laughs> What do, you, what do you think, Allie? Well, I've, I've taken it in both ways, too. Really? And it also... <laughs> yeah, so I take it that they weren't make, literally making that. <laughs> um, Continue. The, without having the video element, this might confuse people. But, um, so, <laughs> but if you notice, he talks about you know, when he says, and though we spoke of penetration, which is very, like, cold and almost clinical, and then at the end it's making love, like, that's, to me, that, you know, that has a deeper meaning than just that, because he doesn't use that phrasing anywhere else in the song. Almost regretful? I don't, I don't think regretful. I think it just sums up more than just Recapping, that. yeah. Recapping. Like, it's, it's, it's love for themselves. <laughs> Love for, you know, that act of like, you know, making love when you love someone and making that commitment. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I do want to yeah, go back ahead. to, I don't know if we're, I don't want to derail us, but I want to no, talk no, about please, the, derail the us. tape that's, that's what we do. <laughs> so the tape, I, I, I think that's such a neat little detail that um, the tape inside her car, it, again, doesn't really fit with, I mean, it's kind of that like, you know, half of that is that dream part, and half of that is that dream part. You're gonna steal my thunder right now, aren't you? I had a whole, I don't I had know. A whole thing I... all lined up for this, but don't, never mind. You had your chance, pal. I don't know if I'm going to. I did. I had my chance. Go ahead. I, I may not. <laughs> I, steal I may his thunder, not. Ollie. I may disappoint you. Hold out for that. Uh, so, but like, you know, it kind of in the interest of like full disclosure, like I had this dream about her mom. And then I wrote this song about her. And that actually, um, like, it reminds me of some of, you know, the later songs. Like, for instance, Running Out of Ink. Um, you know, jumping way ahead in the future to Blam. But, like, that Running Out of Ink is all about basically mining your life for art. And this is, like, just an early example of that. Which is a pretty common theme that goes through his lyrics about that, like using your life as your art and having that like you know is it a higher devotion to the artist or a higher devotion to the subject but then the other thing that i randomly thought of when i read this was that then in testing one two three which i know is an ed song but he mentions um songs in the glove compartment mm -hmm. of her car and he he says, I actually had to pull it up. 
um, in her glove compartment are my song, are my songs. She hasn't even heard them since she found out what the words meant. She decided she preferred them all wrong, which to me kind of was like, almost made me think, well, she just, in this song, she just realizes, I think that's me. <laughs> and then, you know, a couple years down the line, we have the, you know, she preferred them all wrong. Obviously, two different lyricists, but I thought that's it was nice. Cool. I like that. Yeah, like she, she preferred it before she realized the song was about her. Did I steal your thunder, Jeff? Well, no, no. I mean, no, that's fine. I guess my thought when I heard it was my first thought when I heard tape was like a mixtape. Like this was a mixtape that he had given her because that was you know a big thing. We gave the people that we were had the mad crushes on that we were in love with. We made them those mixtapes of all those great songs. And um and I and I thought about the tape line and I'm thinking to myself this isn't radio he didn't say she heard it on the radio, uh like uh you know a Toby Keith or a, a um a Avril Lavigne you know skater boy kind of thing where was, you know now I'm big and famous on the radio. I was thinking about that. And, um, <laughs> the tape, and I'm even thinking like this is a song he stuck on to that Sandinista tape. Is this on the same tape? Was this a tape he made for her? Why, if she's married and she doesn't still herself think back to this, why is she listening to the tape that he made in her car? That's that's where I went See, with this. Like, oh. like she herself is maybe, either it's his own preconceived notion that maybe she's having the same uh, feelings every once in a while or the same nostalgia or she actually is doing it. It sounds to me like she's still putting this tape in even while she's happily married and sometimes still listens back, and she's like, "Yeah, I remember that too. I remember the fr- the the uh, the uh, the burn the freezer burn ice cream, and um, that that's kind of where I went to this. Uh, that's why I kind of like I kind of had the whole bittersweet see, thing still. Well, you're wrong. I <laughs> might be wrong. <laughs> to me, I feel like unless she hears the song like on his album, right. That's now which back then you didn't listen you know, to like, basically so much as yeah, you on stunt tapes. Yeah, like she has a you know, this it's came out player. in ninety eight. It's the era, and yeah, <laughs> I mean ninety six, ninety eight. People still yeah. had plenty of tape cassettes. In the yeah, car. she basically was like, "Oh, I bought, I I went to high school with this guy. Yeah, Wait, we dated a bit. Like, I bought his album. Like, like, how our crazy? Relationship. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that's kind of how I I took it. Was like. This discovery on this app. All this time, she never knew that That's he had I took a dream too. about her mom, and now now she's like, "Oh, oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay." <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> what? I'm glad I'm married. <laughs> she's like, "This is awkward." It's probably what she's thinking. <laughs> I married this one instead of that one. <laughs> I know. Well, I think that honestly, I think the the married. I, no, you guys were joking, but I honestly think the marriage part is to show how much time has passed. Yes, right. Like how much they're moved on. Like there's no like wistful like I wish we were still together or I miss you. Like it's like that wistful like I miss that time yeah. frame, but not like the person. Like she's married, he has this career, he's writing this song about her. Um, so it's just a good. I think that's just mm-hmm. a good kind of showing a passage. No, I agree. Of time, right. Personally, I concur. So I'm going to ask you guys, do any of you have a problem with this song? Because I will tell you right up, right front, uh, right up in front, I, I don't have any trouble with this song. Like, I have nothing I can bring up. At, There's no trouble there no with Tracy tonight? Like, I, I, couldn't cre- I couldn't even create one out of thin air for this week. Really? 
Not even about freezer burned ice cream. I mean, ice cream's great, but freezer burned? <laughs> That's a bit disappointing. No, no, because no, because I love the I love the specific the specificity. Yeah, the, the detail, detail of the that line. I love yeah. it that he'll do that. Where I'm not talking not. about the line. I'm talking about freezer burned ice cream. No, I don't like you freezer burned like ice cream. But I love the, the fact that he layer remembers. of the ice cream. <laughs> And then it's like, yeah, you know, it still tastes a little different. It's a lot of it work. Like freezer. It's a lot after of work. That. It's easier just to buy yeah. new one. New exactly. Ice exactly. Is See, Ali's picking up on one I'm putting but down. But it's a great <laughs> metaphor for that this was good, but it wasn't perfect. This relationship was good, but it wasn't perfect. The strawberries seemed okay, though. There was nothing about that. No, they were good. Well, that's why yeah. it's good. Just wasn't perfect. So they weren't strawberries frozen. Are... Uh... <laughs> so, oh, I'm gonna go okay. off on a slight tangent here. So, this this actually, I I had a good friend in high school, and her house was the type of house like that. Her parents would buy like groceries at like a day at a time, like. Not for any other reason than they were just like that, you know, those kind of people that, you know, don't, you know, have a whole like pantry brimming with food. So they'd go out to the store and like, you'd go over to her house and she was this kind of like, they were all like these kind of like free spirits. So you'd go over and there'd be like a jar of mustard and like some olives and like some like breadstick crackers. And I'd be like, meanwhile, I'm here and I'm like, I am starving. Like, her parents might be out of town for, you know, two days. And she's like, yeah, no, I just didn't buy any food. And so it would always be like finding the little, like what was left. And it just made me, this made me think of it. Like that's the, they go together fine. But like, that's the, there's some strawberries yeah. and then there's some freezer burnt <laughs> ice cream. So we're going to have to take what, what we can Whatever's get left. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's, I'm it's trying what to be I romantic, to but here's what we have left. I love, and I love my yeah. freezer burnt ice cream covered in mustard. <laughs> That's the way I take do it. Do you think that would be uh, those would be items <laughs> found in um, her mother's house if they're divorced and she doesn't have a lot of people eating like, the food? Um, yeah, I mean, I think strawberries and ice cream are pretty common items that you'd find. In a lot of people's houses, depending on the time of year, but I mean, they're good. They food. obviously don't eat ice cream very often, unless you're allergic. Who's that? Me? Yeah, they probably do what I do and I buy ice cream and forget about and, it. And, and we know that it, it wasn't if I had a million flavors. If I had a million flavors, <laughs> that wasn't out yet. By the time I wouldn't the song be singing before. the song. Two weeks in a row, we've now talked about ice cream. I'm getting hungry no. here, guys. <laughs> Sorry, Tracy. You shouldn't is have any. Is there a pun, pun coming? No, no, no pun warning. I sense a pun. So okay. one, one other thing. So I have been trying for for weeks to find information on this, and maybe some of your listeners have also read it. So when I was in high school, so um, probably would have been about two thousand four. I went to, for those of you who don't know, New England is big on those, um, like, odd lot stores, like Martin's, yeah. 
or Building 19 mm-hmm. that was down in Massachusetts, totally random. And I was in there and I happened upon this book that was a book of, of like essays, like very short, like one or two page essays about music. And one was Stephen Page and he was talking about In the Car specifically. And mm-hmm. I remember because I, I bought it, obviously, and, and I read it. <sighs> And I cannot for the life of me find anything, you know, I kind of like, I remember kind of like talking about like the dreamlike state of the, you know, like surfer music. And I don't really remember anything else beyond that and what it was about and like what the cover looked like. It was like white, an orange cover. I'm thinking it was maybe an anthology for like some music charity. I don't think it was aimed at teens, but like I have been trying my darndest to find this you might have book to use the that Google. Has something about in the car. I did. I used all the. Oh, Google. were there any other? Like, you used all the Googles. All the Googles. That's impressive. All the Googles. All the Firefoxes. All, all the, the Googles. Web crawlers. All the. Even through an opera. All the Bings. <laughs> the Bings. No, I did not use Bing. No one uses no, Bing. For no. Were there, were even, there any other like when you're uh, um, things in there like unstable components like songwriters talking about their songs thing is only for christmas music yeah so it was <laughs> it was uh <laughs> it was like all these different all these different artists so it was like 20 20 different artists and they were all like one or two one or two pages and i really wanted to find it and read it for this episode but i'm starting to feel like it doesn't exist even though i know did you it mandela does, affect this book <laughs> I may have Mandela affected this book. It's very specific, not very good Mandela effect, because I can't really remember Aaron what the Steen. essay was about. Yeah. So if anybody knows what I'm talking about, let someone know somehow. <laughs> or just think to yourself. Yes, reach reach out, tell us, and I'll make sure we get this information. I I'm I'm gonna look for this now. <laughs> we will get this information back to Allie. I just I was like I was going through the internet and it was driving me crazy because it was like this is the perfect thing to read to talk about, but so yeah, that's my sad story. I don't think you needed it though. I think your interpretation was probably better than what Steven had to say. Thank you. You know the song better than he does. <laughs> Ooh. So so first you insulted her and picked on her, and now you're back. When to did I insult her? I did not insult her. Oh no, ask her. You gave her a hard time about the whole Google. Th- <laughs> But I did use all the Googles. <laughs> I used every Google I could he find. He did use all the Googles. <laughs> Stefan's job is to see how much of a hard time he can give everyone on the show. <laughs> Doesn't matter who, who it is. You're part of the family if I give you a hard time. <laughs> all right, guys. Anyone else have any more to, to, to say about this song? All right. Let's flip over to ratings. Jeff, will you take it away? I'm going to stick with what I originally said because I didn't, I didn't come up with much else since then. So... I like that we were using throwing around the word bridges. So I'm gonna go with bridges. And so no no strawberries. No, no, no strawberries. How That's about, too easy. It's like the first how about line of the song. Penetrations. And no. We're not doing we're not oh, no. we're not talking about no. how many penetrations we've had. <laughs> um, no. No. <laughs> the song covered that enough. Okay. We will leave our penetrations out of this. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Go ahead, Jeff. Take Put it, it away. Away. Um Whoa now. So this is <laughs> how many bridges? <laughs> this will be on a scale of zero to five. Ali is never coming back. No. 
<laughs> Zero to five. I thought we were actually very, they're very clean and innocent tonight. We did do well. We. Well, zero to high five. We were more clean and innocent than the song was. Right, yeah, we've been far worse on far more innocent <laughs> songs. But, yeah, we were respectful. Um, yeah. Zero to five Bridgies, and I'm going to toss it over to Allie. Zero to five Bridgies. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this five Bridgies. I think this is... I can't find anything that I would improve on, and I think the lyrics are really well done. And I love the surf guitar. Excellent. Nice. Stefan. Well, Jeff, let me tell you. <laughs> I like the song. Uh, I like, even though it's a borderline chaotic for me, but I still like the complexity. I like the uh, how they kept three simple different sounds going through it. I liked it, and so I'm going to rate it. Gosh, I forgot what I was going to rate it. I completely blanked out on that. Well, I'm going to say... Uh, <laughs> Zero to five. Okay, so zero to five. Not many numbers in the middle there. <laughs> Both, you know, there's infinite possibilities. I mean, I could go like <laughs> there's, there's, there. yeah, there, there's decimals and <laughs> yeah. I mean, how many decimal places do you need me to go? I mean, but I think uh, a four point one six would be adequate for this song. It was a good song, really good song. Four point six bridges. Yeah. Okay. The lyrics was great. All the right. music was great. I think. I think everything was really good on it. Nice. All right, I'm gonna go next, and we'll 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 send it back to the host, the the main host, the big honcho, the big cheese. Next. So this was a very fun episode for me uh, in a lot of ways because I'm usually the overanalyzer of lyrics, and I don't uh, usually get any uh, kickback on my lyrics. And Allie stood toe to toe to me, and that was really cool, by the way. Um, awesome. uh, yeah, that was real. That was a lot of fun. Stefan and I are totally insulted at this point. Thank <laughs> no, you. half the time I don't even know what he's talking about. So, I mean, it's pretty good. <laughs> oh, we need to have Allie back more often. Um, no. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I will not complain. I concur. <laughs> no, um, no, that said, though, I absolutely love this song for all the reasons that, uh, you know, we've already talked about. Um, I love the, the the surf style of the music. I think it fits the, the song perfectly. The detail in the song and how much there's like a, a youthful teenage nostalgia to it. And that recall, even if he's moved on, even if it's not a, a regretful song, he still clearly remembers this very vividly and it, it's impacted him. And I think there's a lot of people that can relate to this experience in this song. Lyrically, there's some really great catchy uh, parts in here. And I, like I said, we were groping for excuses uh, not to be alone anymore. One of my favorite lines, I think, uh, B&L ever wrote, or um, you know, Stephen Page specifically. I get nothing wrong with this song. I think it's the closest to perfect they've come, um, if not perfect. And they, they hit that, that element a lot. I'm giving this one a five. I struggled with this one, I'll be honest. I love this song, I love the innuendo, I love the straightforwardness at points, the, the details that he puts in, um, but I also love the naivete that goes with this song and looking back upon that with, with a positive rose-colored glasses. I will say this is probably one of the lowest ones for me on stunt, but that says I think more about stunt than it does about this 
at the song itself. I, I struggled with where to put this this week and really looked at a lot of songs and I kind of landed upon 4.5. I think this is definitely a 4.5 for me. So I have to ask, what's That's, your... Which, if this is one of the which, lowest on this album... That goes to that say how good Stunt is right there. So I have to ask, what's yeah. what's the ultimate? What's number what's number one, five out of five for you? For me? Yeah, for on, on Stunt. You gave alcohol a five, didn't you? Oh, no, no, no. On Stunt, alcohol is definitely a five for me. And I think we'll actually come to a few more that might be up there. I haven't yet looked totally... I I definitely have another five on Stunt. Uh, analytically at all the songs yet, but... But we've got a long way to go for that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's when you dream isn't it it is when you dream yeah when you dream is a five i'm just telling you all now i love when you dream so i don't know if any of you have been watching the live at home shows but there was one where um steven's son isaac was visiting um and they played that together when you dream i highly recommend if you can find yeah when you dream oh my god and he was talking about how he wrote it for isaac and then isaac played on it with him and it was really beautiful. Yeah, which is well, you'll have to come back for that one, and, and I used give to, us the story. That was that was one of my lullabies. I missed that kids. episode. I used to sing that to him at night, and I just love Aww. that song so much. <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful song. There's, uh, like you said, we we have several years. Yeah, we yeah, it's gonna be. Um. So the appearance this week, I was able to find an apropos one that I've been holding on to for years. I've been actually looking forward to giving this appearance. BNL in 2006 appeared on the, let me get it correctly here, the Chevy Rock and Roll 400 race. Oh my god, really? For NASCAR. And they had their own stock car. They had their own NASCAR. Their faces were painted on the sides of the car. Number 29, uh, Harvick. I'm going to have to look that up. And actually, you don't have to look it up because I already have it for everyone that wants to see it. Um, before the race, they performed at the Richmond International R Raceway. This was uh, just before Army versions. So September 9th, 2006. So at the 15 minute and 45 mark, you can see Ed is actually riding in a really fast car, you know, like on I Don't Like, where he says he's ridden in a really fast car. This is when he's done that. He actually rode in one of the stock cars around the, the racetrack very, very fast and interviewed with the other guys while they were doing it. It's actually a really funny interview, so go out there. But Jim's not in the pit for some reason. And I thought maybe he couldn't make it that weekend. But then if you go to the 22-minute mark, they do the national anthem, and Jim is there for the national anthem. And they had a whole concert prior to the race at the fit end and finish line, start and finish line. Unfortunately, I can't find a video of that concert, but we have the rest of that. I, I know it's sacrilegious for me to say this. I'm not a NASCAR fan, um, but you know, so that if there are more appearance, appearances that haven't happened in that three hour three and a half hour telecast, you can let me know later and I'll put it back up there. But I do want to point out the, the car that won that race was the Bare Naked Lady stock car. Woo! First place. Hell yeah. It's all it's all been won. <laughs> what? No kidding. I am also not a NASCAR fan. That'd be... In that car. I was making a joke at the very beginning during the interview. He's <laughs> like, we're going to bring this guy lots of luck tonight. And yes, sir, he won. 
That might be the only way you can get me to watch NASCAR. <laughs> it's all been one. I'd be like, okay. So, Allie, where can people find more of you? Where can people find more of me? Well, I'm on Twitter. Uh, Twitter.com slash pop, P-O-P underscore anthro, A-N-T-H-R-O. And I am one of the moderators of the official Stephen Page Discord. You can find us over on Discord. The link can be found on Stephen's website um, or feel free to reach out to me. Um, otherwise, I am just here, there, and everywhere. And I am the pop culture anthropologist. Oh, and check out my... I do have a couple of um, YouTube videos up to some um, lyric videos. What? Lyric videos? Um, oh. I'm going to get you that website. Will you send For, that to us and we will put that up? Yes, and I am the pop culture anthropologist on YouTube. And right now, my channel's just starting. Um, there will be lots more on there, but right now we have some kinetic letterpress featuring Steven's <sighs> isolation and the Explorers Club song that he did with them. Nice. Oh yeah, pop pop culture anthropologist right there. Right? There we go. We we need someone to pick up Victor Sherb's um, the gauntlet that he was that he was putting down for everyone before unfortunately he passed away we need more bare naked ladies videos made by people so thank you for doing that Allie. oh well my pleasure thank you for watching them everyone who oh, watches yeah. them that makes me very excited subscribed Allie. i have subscribed i said i i, I subscribe i subscribed <laughs> what was that i have a secret guys what's your secret tracy all i want to do is brush your teeth wait i mean my teeth i mean i'm tired i'm Sorry. I I mean, why would anyone ever say, I want to brush your teeth? I mean, well, I guess we can discuss that next week with next week's song. Like, <laughs> <sighs> next week we're going to just... Was it in the bathroom? No, it's in the in the drink. <laughs> in, the, in the drink. You did say that alcohol was a high-ranking song for you, so that, <laughs> yeah, that's understandable. I will say, speaking of bathrooms... This is kind of like the bathroom sessions. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Allie. I really do appreciate it. Thanks, Allie. Thank you, Allie. Yeah, thanks, guys. A lot of fun. Great to be here. I look forward to coming back. I believe we already have the next song already already lined up. In the drink. No. <laughs> you, you don't want to do in the drink? No. I'm good. I'll pass. Then. No. <laughs> we are not torturing Allie with that. Wait, wait, do we have that option too? Or No, you don't. No. You must come back. Thanks, that was fun Don't forget No regrets Except maybe one What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house The happy family The money 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shot? Would they shot? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom is dead. My mom is right there. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. 
In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, the Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.